Welcome to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast, a relaxing and informative show where we explore anxiety, panic, and PTSD, sharing how you can overcome them for life. Aloha, welcome back to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast. I'm your host and coach, Gina Ryan, and I am so happy to be with you again today as together we can consider the many ways to bring your mind and body back to its natural peace and calm. Today, we're going to be talking about cultivating mindfulness through anxiety. And I want you to hold that thought you know, closely through our anxiety. We're going to be looking at our anxiety today as a, a gift that has given us the ability to actually go forward and cultivate some of these um, practices and skills and tools that we may never have even looked at if we in our lives if we had not had our struggles and our challenges with anxiety. So we're going to be trying to keep hold anxiety in a little bit of a brighter light today. You know, I've done a lot of um, reading over the years because I, when I healed from my anxiety, uh, there was no internet. Okay, so I'm, okay, everybody, I'm like giving it all away. I'm um, not a spring chicken. And I had, you know, not a lot of resources. There were, um, I remember late at night on a infomercial, there was like a, oh my gosh, it was probably six or nine uh, tapes, cassette tape program. And it was the first time I ever heard anyone describe what I was going through and they had a name for it. She called it anxiety. And all I knew is I had this cluster of feelings. I had these emotions and I had been doing a lot of, uh, research for what I could, where, how I could. I lived in a little tiny town with one library and, um, you know, I had, it, it was different. It was different before the internet. Let's just, before we had Google. So anyway, I had ended up, I've done a lot of reading in my life and um, I probably would have done a lot of reading anyway, but because I had anxiety, I had to cultivate my mindfulness, my beingness through my anxiety I didn't even know what it was called back in the day. So as I was beginning to work through all this, it's just the same as what we're doing now. We are learning more tools. Mine came out of books. And uh, eventually, uh, Nightingale Conant, I had, there were uh, tapes that I could listen to about expanding my mind and my consciousness and my beingness. And they, it's all in there. You know what I mean? Because anxiety is not just about our physical feelings. It is about our mind and our emotions and our thinking. And so eventually, as we move through the tools and the um, practices, the patience that we grow from learning how to live with anxiety and get through it all the way to the other side where we are clear of it, where we are understanding what it is and how it comes about and we don't go back to sliding down the wormhole anymore. We, we don't even walk by the wormhole. We 
we know to stay very far away from there. And it's just a part of life. Once you have healed, you have the energy to do all of the things you need to do to keep yourself in a place that is well-rested, that is not oversensitized. You just don't go there anymore. So I don't want to get too far off the subject, so I have to rein myself in here a little bit. I could get going in my own story, but we will do that on another podcast. I I really think that we need to hold anxiety in a better light today because we're going to talk about cultivating our mindfulness, which is a huge, beautiful practice to be able to live a, a, an amazing, peaceful life, happy life with But we're saying that we were able to cultivate that because we had anxiety. And I believe that fully, that anxiety informed my life so deeply that it probably changed the whole course of my life. So, um, and with great outcome, it was a beautiful outcome and a wonderful life. So let's hold it like that. Let's say, okay, so we've got this challenge, this struggle, and we're going to be able to cultivate some greatness out of it. So one of the books that I read back in the day, um, actually it was pretty far, uh, probably computers were up and about. I don't remember what year this was written, but it's uh, one of my uh, favorite authors for uh wellness is John Kabat-Zinn and oh here I think he wrote this in 94 okay so there was a uh, uh, life uh, online starting but it wasn't as it is today uh, there was no Google um, wherever you go there you are and it's just this is a compilation of his some of his um, best thoughts and sayings some of his other books get very deep into philosophy of and the uh actually the technical and medical sides of stress but um this one is just filled with they're just beautiful sayings and um they help us uh to it's nice when you can just read two or three pages and you have a nice thought for the day right so i'm going to read you a little uh, clip in the beginning here And this is John from John Kabat-Zinn from Wherever You Go, There You Are. When we speak of meditation, it is important for you to know that this is not some weird cryptic activity as our popular, popular culture might have it. It does not involve becoming some kind of zombie, vegetable, self absorbed narcissist, navel gazer, space cadet, cultist devotee, mystic, or Eastern philosopher. Meditation is simply about being yourself and knowing something about who that is. It is about coming to realize that you are on a path, whether you like it or not, namely the path that is your life. Meditation may help us see that this path we call our life has direction that it is always unfolding moment by moment and that what happens now in this moment influences what happens next. And I love that little section because we need to understand we're not doing anything weird. We're not doing anything bizarre. I know 
people listening out there, there's a wide continuum as to where you are on the meditation scale, whether you are doing meditation, whether you are just can, you know, considering doing it, whether you consider meditation weird or just something you don't know about. So that's why I want to try to hit this at a different angle today. Um, so there's something in here for all of us. And one of the biggest pieces comes at the end when we have to remember that what happens now in this moment influences what happens next. So we are, a, we are what we have thought, and we can't change what has been, right? So what we can do is begin to think now in a different way, in a more conscious way, in a more mindful way. Have you tried one skin for your skincare routine yet? I love the simplicity of these products and the medical grade ingredients in them, not to mention how easily they fit into my skincare routine. The OS1 Face Moisturizer and OS1 Eye Cream make skin look visibly smoother and clearer and immediately feel softer and more hydrated. The secret is One Skin's proprietary OS1 peptide. It's the first ingredient proven to switch off the aging cells that cause lines, wrinkles, and thinning skin, and several studies back it up. So if you're tired of cycling through ineffective skincare trends and overcomplicated routines, then I'm so excited to share with you One Skin, just simple, scientifically validated solutions. OneSkin is the world's first longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ACP at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ACP. After your purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. So a lot of the things that we think about when we think about meditation is that um, we don't know what to do with our thoughts or people have still the mistaken idea that you are meant to clear your mind, that um that even Zen is, is to be uh, absent of thought. Well, that doesn't happen. We have minds that think, and it is the job of the mind to think. So what we want to do, though, is to, um, well, let's take another quote. Let's take another quote from John Kabat-Zinn's book. Meditation means learning how to get rid of, the cur- of this current Sit by its bank and listen to it, learn from it, and then use its energies to guide us rather than tyrannize us. This process doesn't magically happen by itself. It takes energy. We call the effort to cultivate our ability to be in the present moment practice or meditation practice. So, what we what what he's talking about with the current here is like a river current and that is our stream of thinking our stream of thoughts there can be 
all of this rushing by. Sometimes it's rushing fast, right? The leaves and sticks and branches are going by maybe after a storm. And or it can be just leaves going floating by gently. Regardless, it is a stream and it is moving. And it is our job to get out of the water, sit on the side of the bank, and watch. We don't go and try to gather all the sticks and leaves that are floating down the river. We don't try to stop the water by putting our hands or our body in there, trying to hold it back. We don't get mad at the river for being there or moving fast or slow. We just watch. And the key here is to get out of the water and sit on the side of the bank and watch. And that's what we call practice or meditation practice or mindfulness practice. That can be one of our mindfulness practices. And so these you know, these thoughts and these emotions are always going to be going through there. In case you didn't notice, right? Did We are always thinking, if you have sat down to meditate for even five minutes, you will say, you will realize you never knew you thought so many thoughts. And it can be disheartening. It can be irritating. Depends what the thoughts are, right? But whether the thoughts are happy, sad, good, bad, or indifferent, They are thoughts, and we are not going with them down the river. We're going to sit on the side and just watch them float by. So we need to strengthen this. um, Part of why we call it practice is because we need to keep doing it over and over. And when we are sitting on the side of the bank and we're watching the river flow and we're watching the leaves go by, that's beautiful. That's our practice. That is our, we are being fully aware of where we are and what's going on. Because we have just as many thoughts going on when we are out doing our regular daily life, but we don't notice them. We're not seeing them. We're not paying attention to them. So this is why we take time out of the river. We get out once a day, get out of that busy life, that river flowing through, and sit on the side, call it a meditation practice. Sit comfortably in a chair, sit on a cushion on the floor, sit on a park bench, sit in your car. I know a lot of people that when they are just getting started, their lives are so chaotic, some the only place they can find 15 minutes of peace and quiet alone is in their car, parked somewhere in a parking lot where no one will disturb them. This is how busy our lives have become. And that's okay, because once you get started, everything starts to open up. You start to see things you never saw before. You start to feel things you didn't feel before, and you are able to bring new and different things into your life, opening up more time and space for things you never knew you were going to have time and space for. So start where you are. If you can only get 10 minutes in your car in a parking lot somewhere on your way home from work, take it. You know, and eventually you'll be able, you will find, it'll become so important to you, you will find space in your life to open it up more. So what we have to do is to practice 
everything about that. We need to practice finding the time. That's why we don't want to leave it willy-nilly. I want to say, find a time that works for you. People ask me, what is the best time to begin to cultivate this mindfulness, this practice? Well, the best time is the time that you will be able to do it. And that's different for everyone. But be conscious that your mind is going to try to talk you out of it. Especially your anxiety is going to try to talk you out of it. You have way too much to do. There are too many people depending on you. And what is this? What good What good could it do for you to spend 10 minutes a day watching your river of thoughts glide by? Well, I want to tell you that the reality is it has a lot of good. And we talk about it. You know, I am not a scientist. I um, have really reached my conclusions on uh, my healing and my mindfulness. And through uh, my wellness practice, I was a a wellness uh, practitioner and nutritionist for many, many, many years. But uh, through philosophy, through, um, you know, actually prayer through understanding that side of it and how lucky that I understood it back then because only now is the last 10 years is science you know coughing up all of the studies and showing us it is evidence-based now that meditation changes the brain and it changes our thinking. It changes our depth of emotion. It changes how we react to what we think. So in that way, it changes our relationship to ourself. So this is evidence-based now. And I know I don't have it at my fingertips, but in our group coaching um, uh, skill sheet that I sent out this week, I I included a uh, link to a TED Talk where she talks about the evidence-based information and studies on uh, meditation and the mind. And so, of course, Google it. You will find all kinds of good stuff. If that's your gig, some people don't need to understand the science behind it or don't need to know. But it really, it was very exciting to me. Somebody who had all of these practices uh, work in their life long before anybody in a health field was talking about it. So it's very exciting for me to see all of this come out in the last 10 years. So, um, So one of the things John talks about is the term is samadhi, is the one-pointedness that allows us to step out of the current of our habitual and reactive thoughts and feelings and to choose our most empowered responses. And so again, all of these things, we, we get these by practice by doing things over and over and over again. And so how do we get there? How do we develop that one pointedness of being able to see our thoughts and choose the most empowered ones that or react in a most empowered way to those thoughts? We do it by practicing just like any other muscle or any other skill that we want to learn in our lives. 
And so finally, with uh, cultivating our mindfulness, uh, we need to know why we are doing this. This is, a, this is a big piece because this is why I think I'm beginning to see a lot of people will want to stop or um, let go of any formal practice. It's, you know, and it's okay because you, there comes a point where you, you maybe are doing a, your life in such a mindful way that you don't need to be stopping and getting out of the river. Maybe you are living on the side of the river bank, right? Um, we are all living in different uh, uh, levels of being in the river and being on the, the river bank. But for those of us that are getting started and just being able to pay attention to our thoughts and see them for what they are, we want to be sure that we know why we're doing what it is that we're doing. So I want to read one more little um, quote here from the book. If you hope to bring meditation into your life in any kind of long-term committed way, you will need a vision that is truly your own, one that is deep and tenacious and that lies close to the core of who you believe yourself to be, what you value in your life, and where you see yourself going. Only the strength of such a dynamic vision and the motivation from which it springs can possibly keep you on this path year in and year out with a willingness to practice every day and to bring mindfulness to bear on whatever is happening, to open to whatever is perceived and to let it point to where the holding is and where the letting go and the growing need to happen. So that's what what will keep us going is we need to remember why we are doing this. Why have we committed? And if you if you are starting this from um, not everybody who starts meditation is coming from an anxiety background, but we all need to remember why we're doing what we're doing. And for those of us with anxiety, it is we are committed and the vision needs to be our own. And as John said here, it, to believe who is it that you believe yourself to be? These are big questions that our anxious mind has pulled us so far away from that when we start to slow down enough and sit on the riverbank long enough and the river is slowing down, we can begin to ask these questions and we can remember what it is that we value in our life. And if we are valuing peace, harmony, happiness, then we are going to know, remember that the way to there is to be living a life consciously and mindfully. And we do that through our practice of meditation. So when we remember what we value, we remember why we're on the riverbank 10, 20, 30 minutes a day, watching our thoughts, seeing what our thoughts are, letting go of what is not ours, and cultivating that ability to understand the relationship between us who is sitting on the riverbank watching and the thought that is sliding down the stream. It's a beautiful 
metaphor to use if you are looking for a way to see why is it I am sitting here meditating and what is it that I'm actually doing. I want to end today by putting a little personal plug in for learning eventually to do silent meditation. So that doesn't mean your entire meditation needs to be silent. You can have your music in the background. If my if you are here picking up the rooster in the background here, I no matter what I'm doing, I have roosters with me. So they are the neighbors and they are delightfully loud and they have become just a part of the passing senses, one of the sensory uh passings in my meditation so maybe you are listening to music maybe you are listening to guided meditations at some point maybe you you can pause your guided meditation or maybe you can find one on insight meditation timer that has a little bit of guided and then a long pause of silence and then a guiding you back out again I love that. That's what I experience when I go to half-day and full-day meditation retreats and we sit. We are brought into silence with a little bell or a little uh, guidance and then we are brought out by a bell or a, a little reminder to come back into the room. But understand that there is beautiful value in being with the silence of your mind of being on the riverbank alone and watching those thoughts glide by without making um, other things distract for you. I think guided meditations are beautiful and wonderful, and I think that part of their amazing quality is that it can get people used to sitting and used to being in a relaxed but alert stance or in posture and sitting for for a good time but it's okay to actually move beyond that too you don't always have to plug in to meditate so um I hope that that's good news for some of you I've actually had people say to me oh my gosh I didn't know I I thought it had to be a particular thing, a particular guided meditation. No, you can do whatever works for you. And um, as we as we move deeper into our meditation, we want more silence. We we want to be able to just watch the settling, that the snow globe. Watch that glitter just slowly sink down. There's always movement in there. There's always things popping around, but they begin to slow down. And part of the slowing down and part of the beauty of being in meditation is then you can see what your relationship with those thoughts are, piece by piece, one by one. You can let some go. Some of them are crazy ridiculous, aren't they? It's amazing what goes on in our minds. I hope that that's helpful for some of you to understand. I get questions all the time, and I know we are all on different levels out here with our meditation. But I hope that it's been helpful to understand that we are cultivating our mindfulness from our anxiety and that our anxiety has been helpful to us in our lives. It has been a part of us and it has been helpful. And here's the last thought from uh, John Kabat-Zinn's Wherever You Go, There You Are. He says, another way to look at meditation 
is to view the process of thinking itself as a waterfall, a continual cascading of thought. In cultivating mindfulness, we are going beyond or behind our thinking, much the way you might find a vantage point in a cave or a depression in the rock behind the waterfall. We still hear and see the waterfall, but we are out of the torrent. And so if the stream feels a little bit too calm for your thinking, why don't you look at it as the waterfall? Maybe your thoughts are falling and crashing and it's noisy. Waterfalls are really loud. And you step out, get out of the torrent and step behind the waterfall and just watch, watch it fall over. And know that those that waterfall is not you. Those are just your thoughts. I hope our thoughts today on cultivating mindfulness through anxiety has been helpful to you. I'll be back in a few more days with another podcast. Until then, be well and aloha. Thanks so much for joining us for today's episode of the Anxiety Coaches Podcast. Find more information at theanxietycoachespodcast.com.